0: Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farence and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, hey, I'm Pat Farrance, and welcome to the eighth episode of our podcast, Champions of Change. Today, our champion of change is Andrea Kwiatkowski, and she is one of my personal favourite teachers. Although we don't have any favourites, um, because she is the yoga teacher of my mum, and of course, it takes a very, very special teacher to be entrusted with your mother. And I must say, she really has, um, she's changed my mum. So today's conversation is taking yoga off the mat. And that is exactly what she has done for my mum because, you know, mum used to, she's not a spiritual person, um, but now she's sort of, everything that she does is imbued with a sense of yoga, with a sense of proportion, with a sense of letting go. And Gosh, it's actually wonderful to see um, a transformation like that. And also, it's, it's just incredibly heartwarming because I just think, well, if only I could do that, if only I could live the practices like those amazing people. So in this very wide-ranging conversation, Andrea talks about what it is for her to get off the mat. And really, that's what these podcasts are all about. It's all about why is it important to do yoga and what is yoga if it's not that 30 minutes of an hour or whatever we do on the mat every day? Because really, that's the most important thing for me is learning how can we live yoga and how can we become better people as a result? Well, Andrea certainly gives her answer and I really do hope you enjoy as much as I did. So hi, Andrea. How are you?
1: Hi, Kat. I'm well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm really well. It's wonderful to speak to you. And thank you very much for looking after my mum on her yoga retreat, which you are just
1: back from, I think. We've just uh, got back last couple of days from Puglia. We had another wonderful week away in the Italian sunshine with a fabulous group uh, doing our yoga practices. So, yes, still still feeling the high, really, Mm. of, of Italy. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, um, the reason why I wanted to talk to you, because you're a fun person to talk to, but you are also one of the most internationally acclaimed um, Jiva Mukti yoga teacher. So you're an international teacher's teacher for Jiva Mukti. Is that right? Yes, I mentor on the Jiva Mukti hmm. teacher training faculty. So I advise and help um, train up our and- new teachers which is wonderful really exciting Mm -hmm. and it's really lovely to kind of share um, our teachers work um, Mm -hmm. and you know bring on the the next generation of wonderful teachers
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely and and you're also a fabulous yin yoga teacher
1: Mm -hmm. well my teacher Sarah (laughs) Sarah Powers I was lucky enough to meet Many years ago, and um, yeah, you know, I've been teaching, practicing Yin now for about uh, fourteen years, and teaching it for over a decade. And I love the combination actually of being able to do the two. In fact, on retreat, um, that's often what I often put in quite a lot more Yin because it's just so lovely when you're away and in, in the sunshine. So yes, I do the combination, and alongside, I also trained with um, Judith Lasseter uh, mm. for restorative yoga. Oh, wonderful. And that's that—that's that, a practice that I absolutely love. So tell us, how did you get into yoga? Well, when I was still dancing, um, mm. a friend of mine took me along to a local class. And, you know, it's one of those stories that you probably hear again and again, but I just fell in love with it. I felt so relaxed and I hadn't really done anything like that before where there'd been so much mindful attention to breathing Mm. interestingly enough often dancers hold their breath when they move and, and kind of work their body so the class that I was lucky enough to attend my first teacher was very philosophical very spiritual and had this big emphasis on breath as well as movement and I was just hooked so I continued to take class when I was in and out of dance contracts and then I went to New York um, for um, a period of time and walked into the Jivamukti Mukti Yoga School and that's when really um, you know my yoga life really changed because I met my teachers and that was in 2005 and um, I did um, the teacher training in New York there and um, yeah and then that's continued ever since. And what was it about Jeeva Mukti that spoke to you do you think? Well, I think the linking, it's an integral practice. And uh, the classes that i had done before, I did lots of kind of other different kinds of yoga. And I'd go to one class that had a lot of emphasis on meditation, one class that had a lot of interest in uh, physical practice, and then another class that was all about back to yoga. But I'd never been to anywhere that had everything intertwined into one. Mm. And because it also had music and being a dancer at that time, you know, having this wonderful array of eclectic tunes. And when I was in my first class in New York, I remember we were singing to the Beatles track, mm. um, Hey Jude, and, you know, in this packed room. And it just really just moved me, just spoke to me. And I thought, if I'm going to teach yoga, this is the yoga that I want to teach.
0: Mm, wonderful.
1: Yeah, I must say, um, I started
0: yoga as an ashtangi because it was really what I found at that time. But then I picked up a copy of Sharon and David's book. And Mm -hmm. that really spoke to me. The ethical elements of it were really beautiful. Because there
1: weren't that many yoga books on that topic, covering a very broad, wide range. Um, Obviously, it was a lot of spiritual as well as the asana. But it was the animal rights. It was the just thoughts that we're all needing to make conscious decisions that I really liked. Yes. And I mean, you know, that book has turned into being, you know, one of the mostly wildly read yoga books
2: of Mm. the day.
1: And so many students turn up at class and say, oh, you know, we looked at that book in our teacher training. Oh, interesting. Brilliant. Yeah. It's used in lots of different kinds of teacher training, obviously, as well as the Jiva Mukti teacher trainings. Mm -hmm many, many students I've met over the years, they've said, wow, that was one of the books. It still is, it's one of those classics that has a chapter on each of the practices that help you towards yoga. Um, You know, the practice of Ahimsa, the practice of bhakti and devotion and seeing the teacher in things. Uh, It's a wonderful book, really wonderful. It's nice that we have that connection that you, you know, you picked up that book as well as I did. Yeah, amazing. So, you know, when you started like Movement for Modern Life, that the importance of being authentic, of seeing what you believe in and what mm. you're seeing in the world, you know, your activism. Mm. People love to be involved in something, whether mm. it's locally and now obviously globally. Mm. And certainly in Jivamukti, you know, we have that global community, which means wherever. Really, we're traveling in the world, we have that connection to each other. You feel connected to something, and that can really help us in life. I mean, we're social animals by nature, all of us. We like to feel Mm. that we are connected to something. And yoga, I feel, is moving in that direction where activism, um, political ideas, you know, taking yoga from wherever it is that you're practicing it with your groups and being connected into different ideas and different trains of thought, I think mm. that this is the way forward now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that's absolutely right. We do all need to feel connected. And I think nowadays we're in such troubling times. There's never a better time to be
1: connected with each other, really. Yeah, yeah. And you see this because the rise of yoga and everyone Mm. talks about the boom of yoga and obviously a lot of more people teaching. Mm. What we want to be really, really mindful of is that we stay connected to the source of of yogic teachings, Mm. but we do continue to make them relevant. For the people that are coming into our classes, you know, where I am in Cambridge, obviously teaching a lot of students. We have the university here. Mm. These students who come in, they are activists already. Mm. You see that they're they're involved in yoga before they even step onto a yoga mat. They're concerned about the, the environment. They're concerned about their connection to each other. Mm. That, and this is this is something that has really developed with the environmental movement, the yoga movement, and it, it's fabulous because mm. the teachings are speaking to them possibly more than they've ever done What, what I think surprises me is that there are so many yogis who aren't involved in it, and that's the weird thing. I think well that's a bit strange because that's not taking yoga off the mat so. Then it comes to me, it's like, okay, so if I think it's perfectly normal to take yoga off the mat and into your everyday life, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to you? Taking it off the mat and into the world, Mm. it means to me that the practice of what I do is something then that I go and share and teach. Mm. So my teacher, Sharon Gannon, always said, you know, practice what you teach and teach what you practice. Mm. So when you say to me, you know, why are some people not doing it? Mm. Then it's 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 obviously just not in their practice. Maybe they've never been shown. Mm. Maybe they've never felt connected in that way. Mm. For me, you know, when I go for my, you know, daily walk with my little dog and I'm out in nature and I deliberately choose places where I go that I am in a wood or small forest, That gives me a yogic practice possibly more now than doing downward facing dog. I need to make the connection between doing downward facing dog and what I'm doing when I'm walking in the florist. I need to make the connection of what I'm doing when I go into a supermarket if I choose to, mm -hmm. knowing what I'm going to be buying, thinking about that. So actually everything that you do, Mm. can be a yogic practice but it's what you choose to put your attention on that's the yoga in it are you going to link that to being connected or are you going to link it to something that's very separate so yoga is where we place our attention absolutely it's all about whether we are in the state of yoke which basically means to link and to join things up Mm -hmm. or whether we're not So my daily practice is seeing where I'm really yoked, where I'm really connected, Mm -hmm. but also seeing when I'm not. So for example, if I have an interaction with someone else and that interaction doesn't go well, can Mm -hmm. I keep, continue to keep? A peaceful state of mind can I continue to think about not going into reactions all the time mm. that this person isn't agreeing with me or isn't doing what I want to do this is all part of the yoga mm, I see so uh, that, that does make yoga a lot more interesting of course than just it may, make making it, yeah. it makes it interesting it makes it something that you can do as we call it a, a daily practice you know mm. students come to me and they they feel I don't know that sometimes they feel bad or they might see you around in town and you can mm-hmm. see that they've spotted you and they try to go the other way because they've not been to <laughs> class for a bit Oh, is so, right? that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is and they'll they'll say you know I'm really sorry I've, I've you know I've had a lot on with my family mm. and the first thing I say is well the family is the practice you've got your children at the moment who are going through their exams at school you know being a mother being a parent that's your yogic practice to stay calm to help the the children stay relaxed Mm. that's the practice we have to try to get people to realize that it isn't about putting on an outfit having all the gear having the yoga mat and then it's something that you do yoga isn't something that you do yoga is a state of who you are oh so what are the okay so I think that resonates with me and then what also confuses me is so why the shapes because if we're doing the if if yoga is how we are then can't I just say well I'm sitting in front of (laughs) telly. you know that's so (laughs) <laughs> it's a that's a great question so asana which often is translated as the word posture mm-hmm. um in jiva we we take it a little deeper and we say asana is your connection to the earth mm-hmm. so i don't know how you are right now if you're sitting in front of the screen you're in an asana mm-hmm. you you have the choice to to check in with how you are in that moment oh. where is feeling tight where am i resisting do I feel tense? Am I relaxed? That's all that asana is really about. It's oh. showing us, am I tight or am I relaxed? Well, that's a great way of describing it. I love that. So to be honest, it wouldn't matter if we did the, our jiva mukti class or if we did the. just were really aware of what we did as we were doing whatever it was. It gardens oh,
2: that's
1: I mean, asana is used as a way in. It's a brilliant way to move mm-hmm. the energy in our body to see how we're feeling. So, you know, our bodies, as we know, the yogis say, you know, are made up of all of our past actions, all of our past thoughts. everything mm-hmm. that we have thought we've said we've done some way in some level has a residue, leaves an imprint in the body. In the subtle body, and the physical body. So the, the asana is a good way to check in. I mean, I do an asana practice most mornings. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have time to do my hour practice, mm-hmm. there's things that I will check in with during the day. I'll go for a walk in nature. I'll do some breathing practices. I try to sit on my cushion and just meditate for five minutes. I'll make try to make a nice dinner. I'll mm. do something that is connecting me. You know, when I'm cooking or you're gardening, you're still doing asana. You're mm. still showing whether or not you are connected mm. or disconnected to the earth. And what's the earth? It's, it's everything. It's, it's the planet. It's, mm. it's our relationship to it. And our relationship to that shows us our relationship to everything else. Oh, now now that really does make that that makes perfect sense. Uh, so that that's a great way of describing it because I think often you know, we can all sort of just go quickly over that. Oh, what is it? Well do I don't know. Um but that's a really, really nice way of showing the relationship, showing the consciousness and the awareness of whatever we're doing, so long as we're doing something with awareness. And I like the fact you said gardening, because that connects on nicely to my thoughts um, lately about how I'm taking yoga off the mat. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of gardening. <laughs> yeah. And I've been you know, to grow my own. It's brilliant putting your hands into the earth in nature. I was watching a really nice gardening program the other day mm. and this wonderful um, presenter. And all that was in my thoughts as I was listening and watching her was, wow, she's so yogic. She's mm-hmm. so yoked. The way that she was talking about the plants, the mm-hmm. way that she was actually moving her body. Now, she may or may not have ever stepped into a yoga studio or stepped mm-hmm. onto a yoga mat, but mm-hmm. she's a yogic. <laughs> and we see this more and more in life you know people who are so connected mm. in their job or their profession mm. or their you know selfless service to some somebody in their community mm. these are yogis They're they're off the mat and they're in the world and I think there's far too much sometimes attention put on yoga as an exercise we need to be very careful of that it mm. isn't seen really as a, as an exercise system mm. it's a philosophical system that can show you how you can connect more deeply to yourself and in your life it's a choice mm. so it's that it, it's
0: that conversation about choices that i also really wanted to discuss with you as well because it's that how we are getting into our social
1: activism Um, And lots of people might find it a bit overwhelming because, oh, God, you know, the world is in pretty dire states. What do I do? Um, But how do we sort of take small steps to make those choices? I think that is absolutely true, that people can feel overwhelmed when they Mm. look at all the different problems that are in the world. Mm. One of the first things I think is important is to choose something that you feel connected to. So whether it is animal rights, whether it is, you know, social activism in your community, in your, uh, you know, the place that you live in your city, um, whether it's working for disadvantaged people, choosing something that you feel that you can put your attention on. Mm. I think that's hugely important. And, you know, it, Asana, teaches us about taking steps step Mm. by step moment by moment so if I begin to think about all the things that I am really interested in Mm -hmm. as an activist and as a yogi Mm. and kind of trying to sort of lead by example and all of these things that teachers often feel that we we should be doing it Mm. can feel massively overwhelming so to remember that you do your best Mm -hmm. you let go of the rest you know yeah. you offer it up but to remember that one person can make a huge amount of difference and we see this in examples in life everywhere that we go so if you feel overwhelmed i think that the, the focus is to to narrow in to one thing and also to connect with others who are interested in what you are doing because then you're going to feel part of the whole mm. When we see isolation and loneliness and mm-hmm. mental health all on the decrease, all on this idea of um, increase, sorry, where people are struggling in a daily basis. What we don't want to do as yogis mm-hmm. is make people feel that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very important thing for me, is that mm-hmm. the way that I see yoga and the people that do it, is that they are whole, healthy, and strong individuals. I don't see them as broken. Mm. I don't see them as victims, and I don't see them as, you know, um, needing, you know, a, a guidance from me. What people need to understand is that yoga is about connecting back. That's the asana, mm. connecting back to who you truly are, and that is a happy and joyful individual and that's all the practices do yeah
0: yeah right so all we're doing by making the shapes is connecting us to what makes us really joyful which for me might be running with my dogs on the beach but i know that i can't run with my dogs on the beach
1: 24 7 so instead i'll go and do my yoga which reminds me of that joy is that, is that it, it absolutely absolutely and you know the body is temporary anyway if we only keep it to making shapes Mm. what happens if one day you can't actually move your body does that mean that you're not a yogi anymore
0: well no absolutely and that's a good point when I had my car crash I was like oh I can't do yoga I when I couldn't move and then of course
1: that's when I started to learn how to do yoga (laughs) yeah It's taking it off the mat. This is the Mm. activism of the generations that are taking it forward. It's actually about yoga is mainstream because it's being taken off the mat. Mm. If it stays in small environments, Mm. it will only then be for a limited few. Mm. And actually, it's for people that want to step out of whatever they may feel is their conditioning Mm -hmm. and actually take. A stand in the world it it's, it's helping us connect to something that's greater than ourselves, and as I said, I think that in general we're social animals, and the more we do that, the more involved we get. Mm. I think it can help us on an individual basis in our life mm. yeah, for
0: sure, because then we can feel that we're making a difference, and then we feel that we're contributing to something because otherwise what 's it all about? we have to all contribute I think everybody. Yeah
1: needs to get that feeling Um, and needs to feel that we're all doing it together as well because otherwise things are too isolating. Yes I think isolation is is a big thing for people Mm. and what yoga often is missed in all of the benefits that you receive when you do go to a class, when you do come to an event that we might put on, when you do go on retreat, you are connecting with people and that is a, the biggest thing that we can do we want to feel that connection people that feel connection are happier and healthier than people that feel isolated i must say i certainly feel that on retreats and that's the reason why i love to retreat a couple of times a year because i think that you can you know hopefully there'll be a sort of fairly small group and you get to know people um And then when we're all sort of practicing together and breathing together, it somehow feels important that we're together. And, you know, we share stories and everyone Mm. shares stories. And, you know, I'm a teacher that does like to share stories and humor in classes. Mm. And people start to think, oh, yeah, well, I do that. Mm. And. It takes people out of themselves to recognize that actually we all do want the same things in life. We all want to be happy. We all want to be loved and be appreciated. We all want the same things. And human beings want that. So do all the animal beings as well. You know, that's all they're wanting. They want their family. They want to be loved. And, you know, they want to be able to be happy. And that's the connection of of recognizing that. Mm, mm. and that's uh, and and that's I suppose what the yoga is and for me I have experienced when I've been to I used to go to the bigger London yoga studios when I lived there and um that connection was just missing frankly it was like and that uh, David can in put an interesting way cause, and I because I'd always thought oh god there's something wrong with me because this is to be honest why I practice at home because I didn't have such great experiences from practicing in massive studios with lots of people um and he was like well actually it's like being on the tube. you know you have your little safe spa- space of your mat and then you're spending your entire practice trying not to make eye contact with the person next door yeah <laughs> yeah and I think you find that in in the big cities Yeah. you know because we're all on that fast-paced time and it's very interesting you might have found that if you've been to you know, one of the more local studios now where you're living. Mm. When there's smaller studios yeah. and they can sometimes be out of the big cities, there's much more of a community feel yeah. in mind. Oh, I think so. And I, yeah. I think it's not necessarily the big studios fault. I think it just no. happens. It then becomes the machine of the studios.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's right. It's when sort of stuff gets a bit big and also maybe people come, like I used to come, I used to come after work sweaty because I'd cycled my way across London,
1: always five minutes late, you know, turn up and everyone's, like, Oh God, make room for one more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so everybody's in that sort of fast pace, but actually that is antithetical to yoga, which is connection. So if yeah. what we're doing is, by practicing yoga, we're looking to connect, um, maybe stop where you are and think about how you're doing that and
0: whether or not you're, whether your classes are serving you. I mean, maybe, maybe it was just me who <laughs> felt that. But um, I think I, I personally get so much out of retreats. Um, and I think that retreats, workshops, smaller places are for me they feel
1: they feel much um much yeah more connected well i know when i used to teach in london at, at the studios you know often you know on a, on a weekly basis you'd have mm-hmm. students that came in after the meditation and left before the shavasana yeah and oh, that was <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, you know and and that is something that obviously when you're retreating yeah you know you're there the students are there there's there's no distractions in that sense mm. and actually so was, the other interesting sorry no go on go on okay the other interesting thing about retreating is again I'm now thinking of my mum can I get my mum to sit in shavasana let alone sit and meditate at home absolutely no chance zero chance we'll both be doing a yoga class online practicing to you at home and then you say okay it's time to um take relaxation and my mum's off she's dashed off (laughs) whereas on retreat she does it and she does it forced to do and she loves it and she feels it and relaxes into it and I'm the same I'm the same it's the best time I get for you know I love it when retreat starts early and you get to meditate i'd never do that at home but i know i know it's those habits isn't it i mean that's what retreating is good getting into those habits something that i love to do on retreat which Mm. is a real joy for me is rather than timing the shavasana Mm -hmm. i just will say to the students lie down relax and shavasana and you you take as long as you need and sometimes certainly on the first couple of days of retreat Mm -hmm. Some students, everyone will be at breakfast. I just stay in the room quietly. So I'm still, some people take 20 minutes plus Mm. and they come around and they go, oh my God, how long was that? It's like, well, that was 20 minutes. Mm. And, you know, my restorative teacher, Judith uh, Hanson-Lasseter, she said, it's a minimum of 20 minutes before people even begin to relax. And of course, in a class, generally in the studio or at my own class we're all guilty of this we teach mm. you know five minutes 10
0: minutes if that well yeah because we're things are so short you've only got a 60 minute class then putting 10 minutes of that
1: class even for relaxation it feels an awful lot if you're somebody like my former self <laughs> <Yeah>. for her. <laughs> you know I, I just used to want to move because yeah that was, you know, I, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't have. It would have been impossible. But, but here's the other interesting thing that I've seen. It sounds like I'm like really old now in Europe. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> you have both ancient. We have to <laughs> own up. <laughs> Over 20 years of practicing. Yeah. I was talking to somebody this morning who was saying about, you know, my yin training and when mm. I did it and met, you know, my teacher Sarah Powers. And, you know, you had to drag people into a yin class then. Mm. I mean, there was nobody wanted to go anywhere near it. And now the yin classes are some of the most popular classes on yes. any studio timetable, yeah. certainly on the events that I run. They're mm. always so busy. And that's, again, this shift. So mm. the awareness of social activism and mm. the environment and the climate change, fabulous. But also mm. there is, at some level, this understanding of a desire that people know that they've got to slow down. We're moving too fast. We're missing the, you know, I like this little statement that I used recently on a retreat, to try and find the extraordinary in the most ordinary moment. We're missing the ordinary moment because we're just rushing from here, there and everywhere Mm -hmm. to try to these, you know, to have these big leaps these big moments in our life and we just need to slow down I'm telling myself this Kat as well as you and as well as anyone that might listen you know we all should just think about that a little bit more yeah and I'm as guilty as the next woman for charging around through life and if I'm not careful life's gonna run away on me yeah. I won't even yeah. have woken up and opened my eyes and I'm and I'm trying so hard to find balance and it's so flipping hard to do that, isn't it? Is there, is it a is hard these days. It is oh. hard. I think the thing that I've noticed, I've I've done this for the last sort of couple of years. I've tried mm. to give myself on a personal level, mm. um, as well as obviously, you know, professionally, I've tried to give myself a bit more space. Mm. So whether that be I have a little bit more space, the time, I've cut my teaching schedule down a little bit. And what I found with that, I can still rush around, Mm. but I can sort of catch myself with it. Come on, you don't need to do that. Just just slow it down a little bit. You know, have those more meaningful moments where then I can have and I do have Mm. the time to do a longer practice when I need to at home and what that means is hopefully my teaching is more enriched Mm. I'm not so tired you know because we're just all yoga teachers are the worst by the way (laughs) of all of these people rushing Mm. around and you know this goes back to teach what you practice and practice what you teach I mean it's the practice of yoga is you know the kind of the way that we can do it but also if we listen to what the practices actually say they're Mm. going to guide us to that better place yeah so it's like the goal and the practice in the same the same thing yeah i I know absolutely and i'm reading a beautiful book i just started to read it yesterday it's just come out it's on satva which i think is that quality isn't it yes sort of um being contented. It's that taking space. It's an Ayurvedic book. It's fascinating. I have to pass it on to you. Um, Sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's really wonderful because I think that this is the whole lifestyle of yoga. And I think once I can get it through my skull, again, I'm like, yeah, I've been practicing for over 20 years. And the first 10, I was too busy rushing around to notice I was even doing it. Then <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it's just been this sort of oh i'm going to fit some yoga into my day and now i'm starting to live yoga yeah. which um which is actually what i want for the you know rest end of however many decades or years or moments you know that's that's all it can be it's really a daily moment by moment living of yoga because there's nothing else is there well you know somebody a student came for a, a lesson last week and they said you know I, I've been coming to you for mm-hmm. so long but I still haven't managed you keep saying to me about you know trying to to live the yoga and things that we've been talking about today mm-hmm. I still haven't managed to get a home practice or they're using movement they're doing their online mm-hmm. but they're not they could do with doing a little bit more for them where they are mm-hmm. in their life and yeah. I said okay let's go back to when you were a little girl who taught you how to brush your teeth so she Mm -hmm. said oh my Mm mum." you know thought it looked frowned at me looked like a you know an odd question I said Mm -hmm. right okay so that was something that your mum taught you to do okay so when you get up in the morning do you have to like speak to your mum to do it or Mm -hmm. do you just sort of do it she said, "Well, it's just something you do it's a habit and that's the point is that a habit a habit like being engaged in yoga. So you said to me, you know, I find it difficult to sort of come onto the meditation cushion at home. Yeah. But actually, there's lots of things that we do that we just do them. And they, once you start to get into that little habit, maybe just checking your breathing out, maybe mm. going for a walk in nature, that's mm. your yogic practice. But if you do it daily, what you then begin to appreciate much more is it has an accumulative effect. Mm. So your walks out Mm. with the girls, you know, walking with the dogs Mm. have an accumulative positive effect Mm. on your mental, you know, well-being. And that's the same as doing a panayama technique. Mm. That's the same as meditating or it's the same as doing magic 10. Mm. So we've got to think about those things that we do. And it's not about, you know, people say, oh, God, I haven't got an hour. And I say, "Okay, just do 15 minutes. Mm. 15 minutes of something, leg stretching, magic 10, you know, do some pranayama, do a five-minute meditation. If you can commit to that, because guess what? We can, do, we can commit to 15 minutes of scrolling on Facebook. <laughs> you know, most of us spend a lot more than that. Yeah. But we I know it's frightening. It's frightening. I know. What's going wrong with all of us? We're crazy, aren't we? We're, our lack of commitment and discipline to ourselves. Yet our commitment to messing ourselves up is really quite phenomenal. But it's about habit, isn't it? When you've got your phone there, mm. the habit is to check it. Mm. When you switch and disconnect from that, it's all about choice. It goes back to that, what you're choosing to put your attention on. Mm. That's the thing. And I think that's that for me is the yoga, isn't it? It's the, um, it's the awareness. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's almost like, ah, oh, here I am. I appear to be scrolling on Facebook again. And the minute you can catch yourself doing what you're doing, uh, you're, you're sort of, you know, three-quarters of the way there almost. Well, you said earlier about, and I agree with you, because I, I see this and I can feel like this. People feel overwhelmed by everything. Mm. I think part, for a lot of people, the overwhelming part is that we always feel that we have to be available. Mm. So something that I did actually, um, from uh, being on, um, a weekend with, with Emma, with Emma Henry, mm-hmm. we were listening to a life coach that was talking about, you know, actually switching off some of our apps on our phone. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken messenger and a couple of other apps on my phone. It's made a massive difference mm-hmm. because it means that when someone does want to connect in that way to me, unless I'm on my laptop, I actually don't even see the message because I worry because I, I'm a people please. So I think, oh, mm-hmm. I must get back to that person. Yeah. And that then adds on a level of stress. Yeah. And no, you're absolutely right. I think taking off notifications is oh, yes. the first thing that anyone could do. Yeah. It, I don't have them on. No, absolutely. That's sort of level one, isn't it? Take off notifications and then take off the blooming apps themselves. <laughs> don't don't have your phone in your bedroom. Mm you know, don't use it as your alarm because it's too, you know, it's too easy to do the alarm and then start scrolling. Whereas mm-hmm. actually you could roll out of bed and go on your meditation cushion for five mm. minutes. So mm. That would be a good habit, just like brushing your teeth. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And it's finding those tiny, small steps, which, um, which you can incorporate into your everyday life to, to, to make things a little bit A little bit more joyful, really, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think it's important to say that everybody is individual with this. So what Mm -hmm. works for one person might not work for another. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that idea of trying to see what practice works for you. If gardening is working for you, make that gardening a daily practice. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know that your back is not the strongest, try to put in some yoga asana every day you know, some core work. Try to think about that as a daily habit and a practice. Whatever you do as the individual, you know, is, is working for you. And I think, again, sometimes we mustn't look necessarily at always what other people do because we've all got slightly different lives. We do. But on the other hand, I think it's nice to hear what people do for inspiration. Because I yes. sometimes hear what people say, oh, that's a good idea. Because yes. again, the way yes. we're brought up just doesn't, it doesn't encapsulate this how to live well um, piece. But, you know, we get told how to brush our teeth and then that's about it. Off we go into the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> so <laughs> true. And, you know, now children, they're saying at school they don't know how to cook. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, a lot of young teenagers, you know, have got very poor mental health. And, you know, there's so many positives with social media and technology and all of this, but we have to look at our responsibility with it, I think. Mm. And think, And I think our response, along with the theme of, you know, how to create our balance, how to create that yoga within our everyday life, I think maybe also to think of the things because, again, if we're people pleasers, or even if we're excited, like nowadays, there's so many opportunities, there are so many events, and I'm going to have to admit, I've Put my default to everything as no. No, no, yeah. I can't do it because, you know, then it's what costs. If I end up doing everything, well, then you end up doing nothing and then you die. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the end of it, isn't it? <laughs> I think that what yoga helps us develop, mm. and hopefully we all get better at this, is mm. something that it's in Sanskrit, it's called viveka. And Vivekan means discernment. So you begin to be able to say no. Yeah, exactly. And not feel bad about it. You've got to discern. You can't do everything because if you do, you're just gonna totally burn out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that saying no, and I like that practice practice of discernment. I think that's so important. Not just sort of going for the easiest, going for the available because it's there and I think it's interesting that in our culture, one of the most that um, talks about or the easiest point of discernment is often price. So people yeah. say, oh, what's the price? But they won't talk about other aspects of it. And of course, that's why we've got cheap clothing. And, uh, you know, that's why that's the most popular thing, because all people talk about is the price, not how long is it going to last? <laughs> yes. And that goes back to, I mean, that's a, a really, really important thing in, in our world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, ethical living, ethical, how much are we consuming? How mm-hmm. much are we buying? The the issue with this, again, it goes back to yoga, is when you're joining the dots and linking mm-hmm. it all together, you don't just look at price. Mm-hmm. You look at the sustainability. You might look at who's making those clothes. Mm-hmm. What are the conditions that that person Is Mm -hmm. or those often those young children or young adults Mm -hmm. are having to live in that's that's the the yogic way Mm -hmm. of as I said at the beginning yogis are big thinkers Mm -hmm. they want to see the big picture in life so rather than thinking very much about the sense of I me and mine it's all just about what I'm going to get out of life the yogi wants to look outward and say okay so what's my impact Going to be mm. if I go and then buy those six t-shirts, mm-hmm. and it's not to make anybody feel bad, and and it's also not to judge others that do that. But if we don't open up the dialogue, mm. it's it's like you know the, the way that people see sustainable living with regards to the animals. If we don't open up the dialogue to how these animals are being treated, and what they have to go through on these factory farms, then people haven't got the information they don't have the knowledge when they have the knowledge they then can make an informed choice yes I entirely agree with that it is all about opening our eyes up to who's making the money who benefits you know what type of company are you supporting and if you hand on heart you'd rather support a big company which is owned by corporate shareholders whatever then you know go for it but so long as you know yeah. Um, you know. and, and, and that's why that's why being political is part mm. of being a yogic practice, because, right. you know, people that don't vote and things like this. You know, if you, you can't if you don't vote, then you can't really complain about the way that the world is because you haven't taken a stand for it. Mm. And you only have to look at some of these wonderful young people now who are making the stand about climate change and who are saying, look, we're not going to wait for all of you. We need to, this is our planet. This is our future. We need action. We need to do something now. These are the yogis of the future. Yeah. Aren't they inspiring? Well, that's positive for me. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's so, it, it, and it's so inspiring to talk about this and to, you know, just to find out how how we all feel about getting on the same page with it. Now. If we, if we were to say as a takeaway, Andre, if we were to have a takeaway of what small steps can people take in their own lives to, you know, be maybe a yoga activist in their own way, or maybe just to go on a journey with, um, you know, with their yoga to take their yoga to the next stage. What would you Mm say? I think there's a couple of things. I think that there's lots of Um, activist groups there's lots of activism within yoga and without it wherever you may live so doing something like that that's a positive working for positive change as i said earlier something that you feel passionate about something that maybe has touched you that's a really great way of taking your yoga off the mat Mm.
2: Um,
1: you know go to classes go to talks go to events that are held by inspiring people who've really made a difference. I find when I do that, that that really, I come away feeling so uplifted and so motivated Mm. to continue to share these teachings and sort of you know get them out there for people and not be frightened of saying it because people might think oh but if I mention these things you know are people going to come to my class or Mm. are people going to be interested my response is the more authentic you are Mm -hmm. the more people will come and I think from a daily perspective something that I think is really important is that people often think that When you do yoga and you go deeper into your yoga, Mm -hmm. you have to completely renounce everything, renounce the world, renounce all your relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, start wearing orange and go off into the Himalayas. (laughs) Now, that works for some people. Very tempting. (laughs) 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 And you love orange as well. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So that may be somebody's journey but it isn't for most people we have to remember most of us are householders so yoga you know the deepening of the yoga is to actually engage more in your own life Mm. to engage more in your own relationships your own family your own where where am I not seeing the connection and where am I disconnecting that's actually being more in your life not getting out of your life Mm. not wanting a different life to the one you've got I mean, you know, when people say that to me, I say, well, I don't know why you're complaining because you have the life that you have created. Mm. Mm. So there's my teacher, Sharon Gallon, always says, you know, don't blame, far too much blaming, far too much explaining, and far too much complaining. Be positive. Mm. Try and be kind in everything that you do Mm. and be involved in your life and in the life of your community because Mm. we shape the world. As yogis, that's fabulous. I love that. Be involved in your own life,
0: and yes. it sounds so
1: stupid, doesn't it? Like who wouldn't be involved in their own life? To be honest, most of us <laughs> half asleep. Most people, no. most people want to get out of their life. Most that's people it. are not awake to it, no. and that's the thing. You know, be awake. Try to find mm. the extraordinary in the most ordinary of moments. Oh, beautiful. That's a beautiful place to. I think, leave it because that's, you just don't get any better than that. So we can all go off to our incredibly ordinary lives, doing what we do, but just feeling that extraordinary, um, just that little thing, that little, the the shininess of life. Well, you know what, I'm going to go and hang the washing out in a moment and I'm going to try and take my own advice because Mm -hmm. you know that's it what what do people think that yogis do yogis are living in the world Mm -hmm. I'm doing exactly the same thing as that you do as Mm -hmm. the next person that listens to this we're doing our best that's important to say that Mm -hmm. not judging each other supporting each other Mm -hmm. so let's support the community I'd be really interested when this goes out really interesting when people listen to it to hear about what people are doing in their community how they take their yoga off the map and into mm. the world let's let's get this going a little bit let's let's hear and share a bit more mm. that's great i love that so let's uh, let's have that let's have that as a um, answer in questions to the blog or on wherever you found this or write to the movement for modern life facebook or whatever page or Find Andrea on social media and talk there. But let's start talking about it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really, really good idea. And the other thing that we were talking about it to wrap up is you are doing a fabulous smile course. Yes. Now tell me the about Smile that. Yoga course. It's a new course that's starting in the autumn mm-hmm. and it's basically about exactly what we've been talking about yoga off the mat and into the world, mm-hmm. sustainable living, you know, our diet, what we're doing on a daily basis to be positive people in the world. Um starts in September mm-hmm. and it involves three workshops with me in the Cambridge area mm-hmm. and then weekly. Messages for me of practices to do involving gardening and cooking and I want to give all the the insights away, but but normal everyday things Mm -hmm. and making us have that moment of connection that this could be a yogic practice. Mm, I love, I love, I love that. And that's definitely something that I'm going to be joining you on because it's so important to me. That's, that's what it's all about. And I do hope that everyone will be able to find, find you and do that. That would be really cool. Yeah, that's great, Kat. Thank you. Mm. Oh, actually there was one more thing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just share with you um, a little poem that I read, it was one of the first poems that got me really connected into activism. And I just thought it'd be quite nice to share it with everybody. Great. I love poetry. Please. Thank you. Okay. It's cool. It's called The Starfish. And it's, mm. well, you might have heard it before. It's by Lauren Ellsley. A young man was picking up objects off the beach and tossing them out to the sea. A second man approached him, saw that the objects that he was throwing were starfish. Why in the world are you throwing starfish into the water, he said. If the starfish are still on the beach and the tide goes out, the sun rises high in the sky, they will all die, replied the young man. This is ridiculous. There are thousands of miles of beach and millions of starfish. You can't really believe that what you are doing possibly makes any kind of difference. The young man picked up another starfish, paused, Thoughtfully, and remarked as he tossed it out into the ocean, Well, it makes a difference to this one. Oh, beautiful. Oh, wow. Isn't that lovely? Yes, yes. And we can make a difference just to one tiny thing, but it makes a difference just to one tiny thing to one person. One person for one thing make their day. That's the yoga. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, Andrea, thank you so, so much for spending your time talking to me. I hope that that people enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoy talking to you. I always get so much out of it. You're such a, a wise, good, funny soul who lives your yoga in every way. And I just so so appreciate that you're giving so much to us all we really really do benefit from thank you thank you Kat thank you so much
0: well I don't know about you but I really enjoyed that conversation I absolutely love the thought that yoga is the ability to find the extraordinary in the most ordinary moments that is so beautiful to me and that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, what shape we're making on the mat, or whether we're you know, doing in a really unpleasant situation or in a very mundane situation. Yoga is being able to see that these are all extraordinary events that we're struck by and extraordinary times that we're in and every single moment, every breath that we take can be an extraordinary moment of yogic living. So I'm just going to leave you with that thought and I'm going to hope to live by that. I really am. Anyway, if you have enjoyed my delve into the topics of taking yoga off the mat, I really do hope that you will leave us a review on iTunes and that way other people can find us. And of course, you can find out more about us on movementformodernlife.com. Find out about our other podcasts at movementformodernlife.com forward slash podcasts. And gorgeous Andrea and her many, many Jeeva Mukti, Yin, Chants, Mantra, all sorts of classes are to be found on her teacher page at Movement for Modern Life. So I really hope you enjoy delving into that. And until next time, lovely people, see you then.